The Ziggler Show, timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide, inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to The Ziggler Show in episode number 333. The title of today's show is How to Require and Expect More from Yourself. And our quote today is one you've probably heard, but I want you to hear it again and take it captive. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. It sounds simplistic, but we all know it to be true. I mean, we watch epic movies about someone with belief enough to think they can, and that belief takes them through the obstacles and they achieve something massive. Or we see someone who is just too dumb to know that they can't do something and they achieve something incredible. I mean, the key is how do we get ourselves to believe we're truly capable of more so that we can achieve more? I mean, is it possible to expect more from ourselves and actually achieve more? That's the focus of our show today. Hey, I'm going to be frank and tell you, we've taken some heat for promoting the Art of Charm podcast. I mean, the Ziggler audience is conservative, admittedly, and so is Ziggler as a company brand and belief. Uh, Jordan Harbinger, host of the Art of Charm podcast.com, is a Ziggler fan with a personal Ziggler story, and his shows and interviews are very focused on delivering the messages at the core of Ziggler personal development, strong relational skills, positive self-image, and increasing your performance. They do have an explicit rating due to the occasional off-color language from the myriad of guests that they have on the show. So if a curse word is too offensive, please don't subscribe to the show. But we've interviewed Jordan. We appreciate their overall values in the show, and we continue to uphold there is good value to be had. So go check it out at theartofcharmpodcast.com. Hey folks, the other day we got a four-star review in iTunes. We got one off for having varying audio levels uh, between me, Tom Ziegler, when he joins me from uh, Dallas, uh, guests that we have on the show, and then clips that we play as well. And I just apologize for that. So we're working on paying attention and keeping our audio levels at the same rate so that you're not having to volume up and down when you are listening to the show. So thanks for the input. We will be working to improve the quality. Before we get into this 16 minute clip from Zig Ziglar, Tom, what is the next event happening at Ziglar headquarters? Well, Kevin, as always, we have several coming up. We have our presentation skills two day class which is the 1st and 2nd of September. And then on September 3rd, we have a sell-by-design class, which is for salespeople. But one I want to draw special attention to because I know there's so many on the podcast who are business owners, and you're looking to break through that ceiling. You know, you started your business, you had a dream, and, and you're working for yourself, and you've grown it to a certain level, and now it's time to systemize. Like like Michael Gerber says, we got to work on the business instead of in the business. Well, we're having a business owner boot camp on September 24th and 25th. So I would highly encourage you to check that out. It's two days of intensive training. It's a small group of people. We always have about 25 or fewer. So you know all your questions will be answered. I would just go to Ziggler.com and look under the workshop tab and you'll see those listed. But that's what's coming up at Ziggler. Beauty. Okay. 
Well, hey, folks, here we go then. This is a really fun clip, but uh, as always, profound from Zig. And, yeah, it runs about 16 minutes. So uh, buckle in. Here you go. I want to read something written by Dr. Joseph Sizu, and the title of it is Unsung Heroes. Let it never be forgotten that glamour is not greatness. Applause is not fame. Prominence is not eminence. The man of the hour is not apt to be the man of the ages. A stone may sparkle, but that does not make it a diamond. A man may have money, but that does not make him a success. It is what the unimportant do that really counts and determines the course of history. The greatest forces in the universe are never spectacular. Summer showers are more effective than hurricanes, but they get no publicity. The world would soon die, but for the fidelity, loyalty, and consecration of those whose names are unhonored and unsung. If you're a golf fan, you know that John Daly won the British Open in 1995. What you might not know is there were some unsung heroes involved there. Corey Pavin, Brad Faxon, Bob Estes, Mark Brooks, and the caddy. The first four names were professionals who also had been in the tournament. And when Constantino Rocca had sunk that 65-foot putt to send it into the playoff, A lot of people thought, well, you know, he snatched it right out of John Daly's hand and they wondered if John Daly would be able to recuperate and recover and respond uh, to what had happened. And these four guys, Pavin and Faxon and Estes, came over and Mark Brooks literally supplied Daly with a distance card measuring the exact distances from every spot on the course because Daly had misplaced his Later, John Daly said that meant everything in the world to him and the caddy who helped him read those tricky British greens is what made the difference. All Daly gets the publicity. But the question is, had those people not been behind the scenes, would he have won the British Open? I think not. What else have you got to look at? You got to look at the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Just as a matter of curiosity, Is there anybody in the live audience, and as you listen to the recording, is anybody listening to the recording who has a racehorse worth over a million dollars? If you did have one, let me ask you a question. Would you keep him up half the night letting him drink coffee and booze and smoke cigarettes and eat junk food? (laughs) And if you did, how many races would he win? I think he'd probably agree he wouldn't win very many races. Would you treat a a $10 dog that way? $5 cat? (laughs) What about a billion-dollar body? Oh, but that's mine. I'm doing it to me. Well, what you got against you? (laughs) Now, let's take a look there. You got to look at the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. In the last 23 years, I've read an average of three hours a day. I read a little bit of everything. I try to read my Bible every day and the daily newspaper every day. That way I know what both sides are up to. (laughs) We need to get a balanced information. And then you got to look at the spiritual side of life. Among other things, you're going to be dead lots longer than you're going to be alive. April 28, 1986, issue of Fortune magazine. Did a study of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies. Over 
50% of them came from lower middle class or poor families. 91% of them were either Catholic, Jewish, or Protestant. There was evidence that they were at least semi-active in their faith, meaning they got their ethics, their morals, their judgment, their values, their wisdom out of the Bible. Now, as the great LBJ would say, come, let us reason together, though that was not an original quote. What uh, I would like for you to think about, if Stephen Covey or Tom Peters or Zig Ziglar or anybody else were to write a book, and 91% of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies said, that's the one to read right there. We all know what would happen, don't we? We know everybody would go down and get a copy of that book. You ever wonder why 65% of the college graduates, 72% of the Rhodes Scholars, 75% of the military academy graduates, 65% of U.S. congressmen, 85% of airline pilots, 85% of FBI agents, and 11 of the 12 astronauts who walked on the moon were all boy scouts? According uh, to the American Scholar in the autumn 1992 issue. Well, let me see if I can explain to you why that is. First of all, Boy Scouts talk to themselves. I was a Boy Scout. Now, all of us talk to ourselves. Matter of fact, you talk to yourself on the way down here tonight. I wonder if they're going to get started before we get there. Will there be a seat for me? Where should I park my car? I, I hope Sally's going to be here. I mean, uh, we, we do it all the time. We get home now. Where did I put those keys? Oh, what are we going to... I mean, you do it all the time. Now, I'm going to do a lot of talking about self-talking because that is one of the keys to success. Every Thursday night in Yazoo City, Mississippi, I used to stand up there as a Boy Scout and say, on my honor. Boy, isn't that a great word. I will do my best. Isn't that a marvelous word? To do my duty. Isn't that a great word? To God and my country. To obey the scout law. To help other people at all times. To keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Boy, that is good stuff. And uh, when you look at this scout law, it says a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Let me ask you a question. How many boss people have we got in the live audience tonight? You hire people from time to time. Can I see your hand? How many of you would like to have all of your employees with all these qualities right there? Can I, well, would, would an individual like that have a pretty good chance of having a little more job security and employment security? There and, and let me tell you something else the scouts did. Every Thursday night in Yazoo City, I say every Thursday night, one Thursday night a month we had Court of Honor. And that's where we stood up there, you know, and we were given the merit badges for what we had been doing all during the last go-around. That was a goal we had. We knew exactly what it took to be a first-class scout. We had the merit badges all laid out. That's gold setting. We knew what it took to be an Eagle Scout. And Eagle Scouts, ladies and gentlemen are successful in all facets of life that goes far, far beyond the numbers of them. I tell you, if I were raising today a young boy or a young girl, 
I'd have them in the Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts, the Girl Scouts. I would have them taking that train. You know, their motto is be prepared. And you know what they say? Do a good deed every day. Understand now, uh, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. They teach leadership. I was talking with scout executives just this week, and they explained to me at the first camp, they have somebody teaching the, the young scout how to drive the stakes and, uh, you know, set the tent up. At the next scout camp, this kid who was learning is now teaching. That's the way you learn things. See, you hear, you forget, you see, you remember, but if you see it and hear it and do it, you understand and you're successful at it. Do a good deed every day. Now, what's all this self-talk about? Well, here's what it's about. The most important opinion you have is the opinion you have of yourself. And the most important conversation you will have today is a conversation that you will have with yourself. These are values that make such a difference in them. But before we're through, we're going to have you talking to yourself. Uh, In the March 1990 issue of U.S. Air Magazine, uh, they have this study validated that what you say to yourself has a direct bearing on your performance. Dr. Joyce Brothers says you cannot consistently perform in a manner which is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. Where a lot of people say, well, I don't talk to myself, but interesting enough, the same person talks to the driver of another car three blocks away. (laughs) With considerable feeling, I hasten to add. You're not going to believe that, but some people even talk to golf balls. Go in a hole, stand there. You know know exactly what I'm talking about there, don't you? All right. So we're going to have you talking... uh, to yourself, and that's going to be fun. Now we're going to have some fun, too. There was a lady in Dallas, 65 years old, watched one of the exercise videos. She got all motivated. She went home, she told everybody, now I'm going to start an exercise program. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to walk five miles a day, every day, the rest of my life, starting today. Well, her family tried to talk her out of it, said, now, you know, that's too much. You don't start with five miles, start with one mile. Nope, going to walk five miles a day, every day, for the rest of my life. She is now 83 years old, and her family doesn't have a clue as to where she is. (laughs) Now, we're going to be talking about change. Now, change is stressful, but so is unemployment and bankruptcy. One of the old uh, statements from AA simply says that one definition of insanity is to think you can keep on doing the same thing and somehow or another get different results. Truth is, if you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you've been getting. If you like what you've been getting, that's fine. Uh, But if you don't like what you're getting, then ladies and gentlemen, maybe we need to explore some changes. I want to have you thinking big. Let me share with you what the mission statement. I want you thinking mission statement. You see, our mission statement at the Zig Ziglar Corporation is to be the difference maker in the personal family and business lives of enough people to make a positive difference in America and the world. Now, I know that's pretentious. Small company. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's our mission And let me tell you why it's not impossible. Let me share with you why it is possible. Love the story of the grandfather walking the beach with his grandson. 
And every step or two, the grandfather would reach down and pick up a sand dollar and throw it out to sea. He'd take a couple of more steps, pick up another one and throw it out and another. And finally, the grandson said, Granddaddy, what are you doing? And the grandfather said, Son, these sand dollars are a living organism. If I don't throw them out to sea, they'll die in the hot sun. They've been washed ashore by the tide. And the grandson said, But Granddaddy, there are thousands of them. What possible difference can it make? And then the grandfather reached down, picked up another one and threw it out to sea and said to this one, it makes all the difference in the world. We're going to be talking about significant things. We're going to explore why is it that immigrants, I'm talking legal immigrants, whether they're from the Orient or South America or Mexico or Africa or the Middle East or Europe or Scandinavia, Legal immigrants are four times as likely to become millionaires in America as are the people who are born here. It was explained to me in minute detail by a little four-year-old girl. Three or four years ago, I got aboard an aircraft in Dallas headed for Norfolk, Virginia. I was the first passenger aboard. I was seated in seat 2C. A mother and her three little ones got aboard right behind me. She was carrying the infant, leading the toddler. The four-year-old was following behind. And the little four-year-old got aboard, and she looked left into that cockpit and saw those three impressive figures with all of the boards. And she saw the electronic gadget there, probably more so than, more than she had ever seen in her lifetime. When she turned around, those little eyes were as big as the proverbial saucers. I don't know why the child did it, but she put her little hands on her little legs just above her knees and and she bent down and she looked down that long fuselage and said it all with one word, gosh, (laughs) gosh. That's what immigrants say when they get to America. They've left it all behind them, friends and family and support groups, climate and culture and language and, and the whole smear. They come into this land without the things that so many of them have. One of our key people at our company, Chris Dunham, got here with $9 in his pocket 10 years ago. But they came with that dream that we're going to be talking about so much more. And the first thing they do when they land in America is they get the daily paper and they look down the jobs that are available. And they would pick up the Dallas paper and say, there's 291 jobs advertised today, some of them paying over $5 an hour. Now I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot of money to you folks but where I come from that's three days wages I'll work not just eight hours a day I'll work 12 hours I'll get my education at a community college I will live cheaply I will save my money I will take advantage of the opportunities that are here and by the time they find out we got problems it's too late <laughs> they've already made it It's gosh when they see it. In 1990, the number one selling t-shirt in Japan was we're number one. The number one selling t-shirt in America was underachiever and proud of it. Too many people born in America get up every morning and say, big deal. The immigrant gets up and says, wow, what a deal. What a difference it makes. We're going to be looking at why that is so important. They come here with a vision, with a mission. A vision is a clearly articulated, results-oriented picture of a future you intend to create. Let me say it again. I'll not tell you this is easy. It's not. I believe and know, as a matter of fact, that life is tough. But I also know that when you're tough on yourself... 
that life is going to be infinitely easier on you. In a church in Sussex, England, on the wall, here's what they have. A vision without a task is but a dream. A task without a vision is drudgery. But a vision and a task are the hope of the world. I believe that is absolutely true. Not easy, but it's worth it. All right. So right off the bat there, Zig asked, you know, kind of gave that perspective of how you would treat a million dollar horse, you know, in in comparison to a, say a free cat. Uh, But even that, you know, so if that feels unfair to anybody because, hey, they're animals, they're beings, they would all be taken care of well. Okay. How about if you treat a, uh, how would you treat a hundred thousand dollar Ferrari or a Rolls Royce? Would it be any better than a $4,000 used car? I mean, of course, yes. I mean, we would garage that thing and park far out in the parking lot and keep it clean and keep the kids out of it and no food in there. You know, I mean, we just treat it better. So how do you treat yourself? Obviously is the point. Do you treat yourself with the level of expectation that you have of yourself or want of yourself. I mean, what if you treated yourself like a $10 million athlete or celebrity or leader? I mean, those people are usually groomed and they rise to what is expected of them. So Tom, I'll ask you, I mean, what are a couple key things you can do to just up your personal self image? Well, you know, one thing is you've, you've got to put into your mind, into your, into your self-talk that I am always, always, always growing. I'm always learning. And so if I want to perform at a higher level tomorrow, then I have to take time to feed my mind today. And so why am I doing that? Well, I I give people this example. If somebody offered you a pound of gold and they gave you a choice. Do you want it 50% pure, 75% pure, or 100% pure gold? Which one would you take? Well, everybody, you know, that's an easy question, right? I want the 100% pure. Mm -hmm. And so would you trade your brain for a pound of gold or two pounds of gold or 10 pounds of gold or a 1,000 pounds of gold? And the answer is absolutely not, right? Because the brain is who we are. Our life would go out. So here's the question then. Why do we allow impure things into our brain? Why do we allow things to just happen when we can control it? We can make that decision. I'm going to turn off the TV and the news with the bad news, and I'm going to decide to put the good stuff in. And what do I mean by good stuff? material information, knowledge, inspiration that's going to help you be, do, and have more tomorrow than you have today. And so the number one thing is I'm, I'm not a $10 million athlete. I'm a $100 trillion human being. I mean, there's no amount of money that I would trade for who I am, right? Because I love life. I love living. And so what can I put into my mind? What can I read? What can I learn today that's going to help me be better tomorrow? And when I do that, then my self-image naturally follows. It naturally goes up because I'm going to be working on things. I'm going to be ingesting things that build my self-image, right? When I start putting in messaging that says, I was born to win. I was created for accomplishment. I was designed for greatness. When I start listening and reading to those kinds of things, then my self-talk changes. Hey, wait a second. I am born to win. Hey, wait a second. I am designed for accomplishment. And when the setback happens, when something that I try doesn't work, no big deal because I know there is no such thing as failing. There's only such thing as learning. And when I fail, all I've done is learned a way that won't work, 
right? Yeah. I got to do it better next time. So that's what I do is I change my self-talk to say I am the right kind of person because I put the right information into my brain and I become that information. Well, and we're coming off of last week's show about the self-talk cards and we're going to, we hit on that multiple times in this show today. Uh, and again, folks, you can get those at Ziggler.com forward slash self-talk. They're absolutely free. It's just for you. Um, so yeah, so Tom, you're saying change your, your input, uh, at a significant level to change your self image. Hey, I'm going to offer something else. This came after my years and years of helping people pursue self-employment, especially for those who had never done anything like that. They'd never gone after a pursuit like that, going from traditional employment and looking at self-employment was this huge elephant, real overwhelming. One of the things that we got into was uh, helping them get a small win. And so in this aspect of increasing your personal self-image, go after some wins, some small things you can do, so achieve something. And one of the things, Tom, that we, and you'll appreciate this because you've done a lot of this before too, is looking at some physical activities, you know, do a 5k, um, lose some weight, get fit. It's amazing. That's something that everybody can tangibly do. And it just proves so much to themselves. One, two, it just makes them feel so much better. Uh, and so between those, that was always one that we would come back to as a beginning step, to, just to, to go after physical fitness, do a 5K, do a half marathon, do something, prove to yourself that you can achieve something. And for for a lot of people, that's a big step up or, or build something, you know, guys, go build a deck, do something, do something uncomfortable and, and get a small achievement and uh, you know, buy a new car if you need to, or a suit or a dress or, or a watch, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, look at this thing. What can help you increase your self image in little steps and that you can grow with. Well, uh, Tom, the next thing that I really latched onto in the clip from Zig, he cited top CEOs. All right. He said 50% come from poor to middle-class families. 91% have a faith orientation. So I pulled out of that two main points. Okay. They develop strength, and purpose. So whether or not you came from hard circumstances or whether you have a faith component to your life, the idea that he's pulling out for success is having strength and purpose. So Tom, again, I'm going to throw it to you. What are some, a couple key ways for just developing strength and purpose? Well, here's another interesting factoid, and, and I don't know the exact percentages, but a huge percentage of leaders or what we call world changers came out of a situation where in their family, they either came out of a very difficult poverty situation or they had a family member who had a disability. Mm -hmm. It could be a physical disability. It could be a, a, you know, a mental disability, some sort of, of, of genetic challenge or whatever. And so what happened at a very young age, they learned that the world wasn't about themselves. Mm. They learned that they had to help other members in the family to overcome life's challenges. And so they got focused on the needs of other people. And so right now, if you want a self-image boost, if you want to get yourself out of the doldrums, you know, if you're kind of in a rut, one of the greatest things you can do is just to go and volunteer at a place that needs help. I mean, if you don't want to go mow your yard, how about volunteering somewhere where they go and they mow the yards of, you know, people who have a disability or widows or something like that. And then when you're there, be 100% present. In other words, if there's a lonely person there, 
just spend an extra few minutes talking to them and saying, hey, how can I help? What challenges are you having? And what you'll discover is that as you understand that everybody has life happen to them, everybody goes through their own challenges in their own way, and when you offer to help somebody else and you see the positive response that that brings to you, that brings strength and purpose together, right? Because you know what? When the tough times happens for us, we need people who we've developed friendships with to come and help us yeah. through that time and through that challenge. And so the purpose and the strength, they go hand in hand. So these people who who rise to the occasion through leadership, you know, a lot of people in medicine, they are in medicine, they're innovators in medicine because they lost a brother or a sister or a parent to that disease that they're now focused on curing. You see, the trial that they went through became the purpose that they wanted to go out. And so you a lot of times you can find your purpose from the very most difficult things that you've been through. So ways to develop your strength and purpose is what is it out there you'd like to see changed? I mean, what is it that just that just drives you nuts? You know, I have a friend and and he's kind of on his own little crusade. He says he says, Tom, do you, you know, he, he likes chickens. You know, they have chickens in the back of their house. And he says, he says, Tom, you know, it's isn't it a shame that so many chickens just live their life in a cage? They never walk around. Doesn't it make sense to pay a little bit more to buy eggs from a free range chicken? Right. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is, I think in our own mind, we can be like, yeah, I'd be happy if the chicken was happy. And so we started going back and forth, and I said, you know what? This is what you need to do. You need to name all your chickens. You need to put <laughs> videos up around your chickens. Yeah. And you need to let buyers buy eggs from their chicken, right? They could adopt your chicken, and you could figure out how to get the eggs from their chicken to them. I mean, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but you see what I mean? Yeah. Is when, you, when you have an idea that you can buy into that's going to change something for the better, that's where purpose comes from. And then the strength to follow through will be will be given to you as you go forward on fulfilling that purpose. Man, that is great. I mean, you, you uh, got my interest right away with that statement at an early age, talking about those leaders and world changers. At an early age, they learned the world wasn't about themselves. Um, man, that hit close to home, Tom. I, as you know, I've got seven kiddos, so they know right, pretty quick it's not about themselves. <laughs> they got too many other people to deal with. But we started years ago serving at a children's home. It's actually called the Manuelito Navajo Children's Home. It's in Gallup, New Mexico. And that, you know, we did that looking at where we can give, where we can serve, which we've done. And I know we've mattered there and given value. But I think the biggest value has been just to our family. Uh, we actually have three, uh, three kids from outside of our home living with us right now. And it has been the biggest gift to my kids to learn just that. So uh, it's great to hear you say that. Just a great confirmation. Uh, and yeah, I've experienced that. You know, part of this this discussion reminded me, and Tom, I know you know this guy and uh, his book, Donald Miller. And in his book, A Million Miles and a Thousand Years, and I've referenced this before, but you can't reference it enough. He says, a good story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Now, of course, to overcome conflict, we got to want something that's that's worth dealing with conflict, a struggle. And I see so many people who think, gosh, there should be a little, there should be more to life, huh? 
but they just don't really want much of anything important other than be comfortable, you know, to figure out the week and to, to get things just to, to work right, make ends meet. But I know we all desire at the core a calling, you know, a quest. And so I would also add, and I think for people just to expand your desire uh, and do it for something worthy. And anything worthy is going to involve struggle, and you can become that character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. That's what makes a good story. That's what we all want to do. It's not about making a story that they're necessarily going to write about, but it's a story that it's a legacy. It's what Zig talked about. So, you know, he said, Zig says, regarding self-talking, which you just mentioned, Tom, self-talking, good self-talk is a key to success. I mean, we are always, folks, talking to ourselves, just often not intentionally and proactively with a purpose and a goal. I mean, this is the point, of the, again, of the self-talk cards. I mean, we generally and naturally talk to ourselves just reactively through the day and with little to no thought. And again, if talking to yourself doesn't resonate, you're thinking to yourself, same thing. Uh, and that self-talk directs our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. So that takes us right to, and Tom, this uh, this was just profound. I mean, him talking about the Boy Scouts. I did not know. I did, I've never been involved with Boy Scouts. And him telling the story really got me thinking about their code of honor. And I thought, why don't we all have a code of honor? I mean, we talk about you know personal and business, of course, mission statements. But I think in regards to people, just, just uh, individuals, that uh, the mission statement, sometimes it's hard for people to grasp. What's your personal mission statement? And I, I see people gra- grapple with that. But I thought, okay, what about a code of honor? That that's, feels more tangible. What code do you live by? What code is your behavior run by? I mean, this isn't neutral. I mean, we all have one. Again, it's either intentional or not, but it exists. And what it got me thinking, Tom, is everyone, everyone else knows it. Everyone, if I don't know my code of honor, ask enough other people. Ask my kids, my my family, people I work with what my code of honor apparently is, and they're going to be able to state it to me, which is kind of daunting, you know? I mean, so what would other people say your code, your code of honor is if they were, if they were hit with that? Uh, is it, uh, Hey, you know, if your name's Jack, Jack always does the right thing, or is it Jack goes with the crowd or Jack does what he, he does what pleases others for better or worse, or uh, he tries to be important. Or he talks and doesn't listen, uh, or uh, you know he keeps to himself and avoids others, or he's self-serving, or he always jumps to help others, or he sticks up for others. I mean, get what? What is it? What would people say about you? Good, bad? I mean, people know your code, even if you don't. It's not neutral. So here we're talking about you get the chance though to direct it, to state it, and rise to it, just like what Zig talked about with the Boy Scouts. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty daunting. And Tom, to me, it harkens back to, you know, the musketeers and the knights at the round table. I mean, we inherently love that somebody who stands for something. And, uh, I, I also, I was real interested, Tom, in that, in the clip, Zig stated the code for Ziggler at that point, at the, at the point of whenever it was that he gave that message, he said, our mission statement to Ziggler is to be the difference maker in the personal family and business lives with enough people to make a positive difference in America and the world. Uh, That's awesome. Tom. So I ask you, I mean, I was good thinking to ask you, you knew a lot of people, you know, so many people who has a tangible code of honor 
that they state, that they strive for. But then I thought also, I mean, you're so routinely with world leaders, literally, I'm going to guess that you would say you know many, and it's precisely why they are world leaders, yes? Absolutely. They they have a defined purpose. Mm-hmm. They understand exactly how they bring value. And without question, the ones who have staying power, it starts with character and integrity. And so their code can be summed up with, you know, whatever their personality, whatever the industry is, there's so many variables, right? Because you can be of any personality from any type of industry and you can, you can have what it takes, but they all have that one thing in common, that, that character and integrity that they guard constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, so they live by that. They love that. And they understand that, you know, we said this earlier, the world's not about them. It's about the people. So they also kind of go out and they have this concept that if I can serve my team, if I can serve my family, if I can serve my community, leading from this perspective that it starts with character and integrity and keeping my word and following through and be somebody you can count on to to get it done on time and to where everybody wins, right? Because we we teach at Ziegler, we teach a win, 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 win philosophy. You know, true performance is the ideal accomplishment of a goal, aspiration, or objective that benefits everyone involved. I mean, that's that's one of the main things that we promote is we're after true performance. Everybody has to win in the transaction. And so leaders, they have this purpose that they're living for that they strive to every day. It's bigger than themselves. It's a cause. That's why so many of the top leaders, the, the spiritual aspect is so important yeah. because it's not about today or this week or this month or this year. It's about eternity. You know, they have this perspective that I need to do something good because it's big. You know, it's going to impact generations to come. And it does. We all have an impact on generations to come. The question is, is what kind of impact? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That first statement that you said that these leaders, they have a defined purpose and they know how they bring value. Man, that just rings true of that. But of, of those superstars, those leaders... Why don't we all have that? And it's just something that we're not trained. I, I, when people hear this, I, I want them to have grace with themselves too, because so many of us, we weren't ever told this. We weren't ever given the opportunity or even given the perspective that, oh, we should have a defined purpose and know how we bring value. And for a lot of people, they'll never heard that. So this is your opportunity. Uh, hey, speaking of bringing value, I want to pull out a couple resources uh, for everybody right now that are great value. So uh, everybody would like to have more time in their day and their week. Well, hey, I got an idea for you. Quit going to the post office. Seriously, stop it. Save your time and money by doing all your mailing from your computer. That's where we all like to do everything these days. Stamps.com can literally take care of everything that the post office does. Uh, They will send you a digital scale. You can automatically calculate the exact postage you need for any letter or package, any class of mail. Then you simply print the postage you need, put it on your letter or package, then just hand it to your mail carrier and you're done. Especially for those of you who are in business where you mail a good bit, you need to do this. So right now, use our promo code Ziggler for this special offer of a no-risk trial plus 110 bucks. Uh, bonus offer, which includes the digital scale and up to 55 bucks of f- literal free postage. So go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Ziggler. All right, go to stamps.com, enter in Ziggler. 
Another one. Uh, anyone who knows Zig Ziglar knows he was a voracious learner. He read and learned and consumed all that he could. So today, there's an overabundance, though, of information to be had. And the question is, what can you trust and what is most relevant for you? What's efficient? What's effective? Lynda.com is the leading online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. So check this out. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about what they're teaching. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn on your own schedule. You can learn at your own pace. The courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can browse each course transcript to, to follow along or search for an answer and skip to the point in the video that you need. You can take notes as you go and refer to them later. You can download tutorials, watch them on the go, including access on your uh, iOS or Android device. You can create and save playlists of courses that you want to watch and to customize your learning path or share with your friends, colleagues, and team members. So for a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash Ziggler, lynda.com slash Ziggler. Well, Tom, Zig in the clip says the most important opinion you have is the opinion you have of yourself. So listening to that, I mean, many think it's humility to almost degrade yourself, you know, to talk down and minimize yourself ultimately. And that standing tall in your abilities, just like what you talked about before, knowing how you bring value, standing tall in your abilities is kind of selfish and narcissistic in vain. And I say that, and I don't know if everybody would agree with it, but it is how we as a culture often act. And I, I normally see one or the other people who are very self-effacing, you know, or they are more on the narcissistic side. And uh, very few that are in the middle in a good place of health. So it reminded me a good friend of mine, Gary Barkalo, a great author. He wrote a book called It's Your Call. You can find him, folks, at thenobleheart.com. But he has this quote in the book. It's actually on page 182. It says, he said, humility is seeing that you've been given something extraordinary that others will need. You have been given something glorious that the world needs. Don't diminish and disregard it receive and offer it as a gift from God to you and for others. I love that statement and wanted to ask you, Tom, because I know you deal with this uh, a lot, people who are on one side or the other and also those who are in health. So what are your thoughts on striking that balance between you know, humility and confidence in essence? Yeah, Dad talked about it constantly, you know, the keys to what he called a healthy self-image. And, you know, the, the series How to Stay Motivated, 20 hours basically goes into that idea of how do I create a healthy self-image because with a healthy self-image, uh, I make the right decisions. When good news happens, I know how to handle it. When bad news happens, I know how to handle it. When a door of opportunity opens up with a healthy self-image, I can walk through that door with the right kind of expectancy. Mm-hmm. You see, here's the challenge is all of us every day are given opportunities, right? If we have a really weak self-image, if we're, we're for, if we're so humble that we don't give ourselves any credit and that door of opportunity is right in front of us, we tend to just stand there and not do anything. Yeah. If we're on the narcissist side where we've got you know an unhealthy self-confidence, right, where it's all about us, we're the man, we, 
what we'll do is, is that type of person will just walk through that door and say, look at me. And everybody's like, I can't wait till they leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, so what is the right kind of self image? It's, it's literally the person who has, Oh wow, look, this door opened for me. Well, of course it did. Right. Because I'm the right kind of person. And so I step through that door and my initial response is, okay, who can I help? Who here can I bring value to? What, what is it that, that, that God has for me here in this situation? He, he wouldn't have provided this door if it wasn't meant for me to step through, right? Yeah. I don't have to have all the materials I need when I step through the door because I'll find them when I get there. Right, because I'm confident in my ability to take what's available and 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 solve the problem, and so that that healthy self-image is you know it's it's right in that balance between the confidence to step out and try, and the humility to say I might need some help when I get there, but I don't mind asking for help because asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, man, I, I love that. Uh, something you said in there just uh, reminded me too of well, of you and your and your dad and of Zig. I mean, you guys are both uh, you know authorities, experts, speakers, presenters, coach, consultant. That role, I think, a lot of people. You guys are a great example of that. And everybody here, of course, is obviously a fan of Zig, and he does it so with humility yet with such strength. He's such a great example, uh, and I'll. Tom, this is just a personal soapbox here, so uh, um, I think you'll understand. Coaches and consultants specifically, I think a lot of people get a little burned by the coach or the consultant who has an area of expertise and from that has decided they now have to be the expert in everything, okay? Because if you got the label coach or consultant, you now have to give counsel on everything in the world. Man, I love the coach or the consultant, uh, somebody in that arena who says, man, I know what I know in this area and I can help you hands down and, and no, no ifs, ands, or buts, but then it's real quick to say, gosh, you know what? That's, that's an area uh, on, on something else. That's an area that I'm not the best at. And I would, uh, I, I just call out to people that uh, don't get burned by that. If you've met somebody who's my word is there's pedantic. My friends and I have that label that we give to some folks. Yeah. Mr. Or Mrs. Pedantic. I know it gets tiring. They have some good value, but now they think they've got value in every area. It's the, again, that balance of saying I'm strong here, but then not saying that I've, you've arrived, you know, uh, that can be tragic sometimes. And it makes it hard for people to listen to you. Be strong where you're strong and admit where you're not. Um, Hey, in the, in the clip, Zig pulls out, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So I'm going to ask you on a, on an aspect of this, Tom. I mean, if you don't like what you've been getting, then go do something different, right? That's what he's saying in here. That's a big deal. That is life-changing for a lot of people if you really embrace it. Uh, you Then, though, when you look at that, okay, I got it. I got it. I, if I want something different, I got to do something different. What do I do? And they're looking for a source, looking for somebody to tell them. Here's the problem that I find with that, Tom, and what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, if you take directive from someone else, when you get that book, you go to that seminar, you listen to that coach or consultant, and they help you and they say, okay, I think you should do this. And you take that directive from them, it's a little easy to blame them if it doesn't work or you don't work. 
I had, I've had some people in the past say that to me when they're looking at some of my coaching package, you know, well, I'm just wondering if this is going to work for you. And I'll respond back and go, you know what? It won't. You will or not. I'll help you to my best ability, but it's, this isn't a package. This isn't uh, just something you're going to flip on and see if it works or not. You've got to work within that. So in that, taking the directive from yourself, not from somebody else on what you do differently, you've got to decide. I mean, you state the problem, you decide the next step. If it doesn't work, decide on a different step and so forth. But Tom, as I thought and wrote about that, I mean, it's not black and white. We do need to seek counsel, but then we all need to ha- also need to have you know, ownership in the decision. And what's the secret sauce in there, Tom? Well, I think termites are the secret sauce. That was not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's why I say termites. <laughs> I'm all ears. Dad used to have this line. And he said, "You know, hurricanes and tornadoes make the headlines, but termites do more damage." <laughs> That's okay. Gotcha. Okay. Granted. So on a national scale, when we look at the cost of rebuilding things, termites do billions and billions of dollars of damage, and they take such tiny, itty bitty bites, right? Uh huh. But what makes the news is the F five tornado that wipes out the barn, right? Because it's visible, we can see it. Well, life change and getting results and trying something different, we need to take the termite approach. Huh. We, need to, we need to do micro changes, the little steps, the tiny things every single day, a little bit better. Uh, Dad called it block in a mailbox. You know, When he got in shape, the first day he started jogging, he ran a block. I mean, he ran all the way to the end of the block. And then the next day, he ran a block in a mailbox. Oh, right, right. right? And so we need to take that approach. Another thing that I'm, I'm kind of hung up on this quote uh, I was speaking over in Australia and somebody asked me the question. They said, they said, Tom, what's the fastest way to success? Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't that sum up the question that everybody has in the back of their mind? Mm-hmm. What's the fastest way to success? Kevin, I'm going to buy this coaching package from you on how to start my business. Is this the fastest way? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the follow on to everything, right? Is this the fastest way? Cause we all like shortcuts. We, we don't like to take any more time than possible. Yeah. And so that guy said, what's the fastest way to success? And this is just what popped out of my mouth. And somebody wrote it down and gave it back to me. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> so here's what popped out. See, there's humility and strength at work right there. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I couldn't believe it was my quote. So I went on the internet to check to see if somebody <laughs> else had it. Nobody did. That's excellent. So that actually shocked me because in my mind, this is too good a quote for somebody not to have said somewhere, someplace. And I'm sure some podcast listener is going to send me, you know, an email and says, "Hey, I found your quote. So and so said in 1842." But if you do that, yeah, send it on. But here's the, here's the quote, and here's the answer to that question: The fastest way to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. Yeah. I mean, it's the termite deal, right? Yeah. Just a little bitty bite. So, on the physical example, if you drink soft drinks. That's a bad habit. Whether it's one a day or one a week, it's a bad habit. Stop it and replace it with drinking water. That's a good habit. Well, if you put in a new habit every week and you follow that for a a year, you would get rid of 52 bad habits and you would put in 52 good habits. By the end of the year, you'll be a whole new you. Mm -hmm. I mean, just an amazing thing. It's a lot better than saying – you know, Kevin, you were talking about, yeah, I just go out and run a half marathon. I'm looking in the mirror going, dude, man, I'm not running a half marathon. I mean, like ever. 
<laughs> you can say that because you're a runner, right? Yeah. I'm not. I, I have a hard time walking fast. So, so to me, the termite approach is the one I'm going to, that I'm, the little bites is the one that I'm going to get on. But, you know, it's the whole story of the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise is going to win the race every single time. So when we talk about these concepts of how are we going to get things done, we build the right kind of self-image. We 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 get away from from defeating humility, right? What I mean is we're we're so humble we don't give ourselves any credit, or we're so narcissist that you know we're the man, we know everything. Yeah, those are opposite ends of the spectrum. Why don't we just acknowledge that everybody has their own journey? They all have something to teach us. And what we're going to do is every single day, every single week, we're going to replace something, a bad habit with a good habit. Man, I, I love that. And uh, yeah, again, I'm just going to keep coming back since we keep getting such incredible testimonials to the self-talk cards. I mean, what's something in the morning? You read those last week and it was, what did we say it was? I can't remember. Six minutes? Three minutes? I think it was three minutes it took you to read the self-talk cards. Uh, and what three-minute activity habit do we have in the morning do you, you who are listening have in the morning you could replace with that is it yeah looking at the newspaper headlines checking email that you don't really need to do till you get into work uh whatever it may be three minutes to replace a bad habit or just one that's not that beneficial with a great life-changing habit well tom so we're going to wrap up with uh, one more thing that zig pulled out in the clip he cited that immigrants to the, and he's talking about you, to the United States are four times more likely to become millionaires than the people who are born here. The immigrant says, wow, how much opportunity there is here. And we who grew up here and just take it for granted say, whatever, ho-hum, it's just the norm. And in uh, you know, a lot of social groups, I think a lot of folks listen and will relate to this, in their social groups, it's almost uncool to strive. I mean, if, if you hear that and think, oh, not my group, so I'm going to challenge you. If you stood up today amongst your friends and family and stated uh, you're going to strive to achieve something truly significant, what kind of real support, not just patronizing, what kind of real support would you really honestly get? And I'll let you answer that for yourselves. And I hope that some of you would say it would be great support. But I think for a lot of folks, you're going to admit that, that it's not. Uh, it's significant. And that reality that maybe you wouldn't have a lot of support and it greatly affects the breadth of your vision and expectations. And, but two, and, and this is what we'll end on. Do you see the great opportunity that does exist all around us in your world? Or have you been blinded by the norm and, and take for granted the abundance around you? So Tom, on that note, I mean, we need to be inspired. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you can wake up every day with the attitude of the day's going to happen to me or I'm going to happen to the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's literally the attitude that you could wake up with is you can have this, you know, this, this view of what's about to happen is beyond my control. Why bother? You know, it, the traffic's there, the weather's there. I'm just going to do my best to get through it. Or you can wake up and you can say, you know what, I own my attitude. I own this day. And you do it from this perspective. You have no control over the circumstance, but you have 100% control over what happens and the decisions you make regarding that circumstance, right? You can't control what happens to you, but how you respond to it, you can. So that's my encouragement for you today 
is tomorrow morning when you wake up in the morning, I want you to get that self-talk card if you have it, read it. If you don't have it, I want you to just think for a minute, today is an amazing day and I am going to control my responses today. It's going to be a great day because I own my attitude and my outlook. And when you make that decision, the day will be what you make it to be. That is a great place for us to wrap up with. Tom, thank you, folks. I hope you heard that. Rewind to listen to that again from the mouth of Tom Ziegler. Thank you for tuning in today. Can't wait to be back with you in the next Ziegler Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziegler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZieglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.